We are live here tonight with Renters Radio Boston. New names, same faces. Um, we're coming to you live from the basement, undisclosed location. Um, we're we are in, in the market basket. We already revealed that last episode. We are in the market but basket. But which market basket? That's true. That's up to you to find out, people. Are we live? Oh, it looks like we are live. Let's get this party started, people. Ooh, can you invite me? Of course I'm going to invite you. Hey, Mom. How do I invite you? Here we go. As that producer is still listening to Taylor yeah, Swift. Yeah, our producer runs out a way to listen to Taylor Swift. All right, let's do this. It'll be 14 minutes late. That's not too bad for a second show. Yeah. That's nothing. I haven't actually decided when we start yet, so that's uh, that's part of the... That's part of the mystique of what we have going on here. I'm just scrolling down, inviting everyone I know. Hopefully someone's got something to say. Um, oh, I just invited my boss. That should be fun. And now I can't figure out, am I hearing your audio? You're hearing my computer. It's oh, over now. there it is. All right, we are good. I'm adding you as a co-host, and we should be good to go. I will figure out how this works. So, yes, we're here live with our second episode of Renters Radio Boston. Um, we're here with Evan George of DSA. Hello, 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 Boston, hello, world. I'm gonna be so distracted looking at this Facebook. I have no idea what's going on. I don't yeah. understand how technology works. Yeah, um, you might want to scoot over. Well, see, according to that, that's with the cameras. Oh well, it is now. Okay, we've got two cameras. There's a whole lot to figure out tonight. Um, how's it sound? Sounded good. All right, let's get this party started. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about a few different things. We've got uh, uh, some audio, actually, about rent control. We're going to go into a little later about uh, some arguments from the initial people that pushed forward the bill to ban it, which should be lulzy. Um, we also have uh, a s my own little deep dive down the rabbit hole uh, about Taylor Swift, AOC, and the Carlisle Group. So, Which, to be honest, when you sent me the headline, I thought you were doing that as a joke. And no, I was not kidding at all. And then I didn't realize how far you were going to take it. So I, I got I a don't, sneak preview of this when, uh, I, when I had to pick up Lauren from work, which might be the reason we're late. I'm not saying it is. <laughs> I'm just saying it might be. So I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, he doesn't really know my, uh, my long history as a uh, military-industrial complex conspiracy researcher or um, the fact that I'm just trying to do an Alex Jones bit right now. But <laughs> Yeah, we should take over that turf. What? The Alex Jones stuff. I yeah, it's not that. really Alex Jones stuff. I'm not really into gay frogs. You might be, though. But I'm actually more uh, into uh, researching like the power, like the military-industrial complex and a lot of the different companies and their subsidiaries. This is something I used to get into maybe like to the early cyber wars of the 2000s. Um, and did you know that that whole gay frog story is actually a real thing? Really? Yeah, I'm not kidding. So there, there was a company which was like, like most do, skirting environmental regulations, which is dumping toxics into like this nearby lake, and it was messing with the chromosomes of the frogs so they couldn't reproduce anymore. So then the local news was promoting it as uh, corporations turning frogs gay, and then it enters the right-wing like 
stratosphere, and now that turns into the government is trying to poison the water supply to reduce testosterone in men. But that was originally based on a very concrete material thing that the right wing then takes off into cuckoo land. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so I wouldn't say that, like, uh, I actually looked into gay frogs. See, if you say gay frogs, I'm going to have to call you out. Yeah, you seem to know a lot about gay frogs over there. I know my stuff. Um, That's pretty cool. So what else are we talking about tonight? Uh, Do you want to talk about the awesome Bernie concert that we went to Saturday? Oh, man. We did go to a fabulous Bernie fundraiser down in JP at the Deep Underneath the Deep Thoughts record store. Uh, I guess they raised like a few hundred bucks. They raised about four hundred dollars. Yeah, that's pretty good. Because it didn't look like anyone in that room had much money. I certainly didn't. Um, but it was a good party. There was a lot a lot of good bands playing there. Um, it was good vibes, it was a good show. What was the name of your friend's band? Uh, something. What was the Shuggy? <laughs> Shuggy, yeah. Which one was uh, which one was Shuggy with? Corpse um... No, it wasn't that. It was the other one. It was some jazz band. Jazz Factory something. Ugh, you're calling me out, man. Uh, we also had uh, a few other bands in the beginning that I also didn't remember the names of. But DSA was there, and I appreciate it. We were. That. We were tabling. In fact, um, y'all tried to convince me to join. Once again. Once again. But Once again. That's like the long-term arc of the show. So we'll say. I, th- I think we got like eight to ten signatures, which is incredible for a Saturday night. See, when other people are partying, we're partying alongside you, but we're also mobilizing. You guys, yeah, you That's guys. What we do. Shout out Spencer. That was a great idea, by the way. Yeah, you guys should definitely check out more of those, um, more of those kind of events. And I think that as you go to more, you'll be able to handle them better. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost too old to recruit. That's why I need like the new generation of. At least being in your 20s so is a little bit better. One of the interesting things about uh, that table was I did sign up for the Art Caucus, which I'm happy to see the DSA is doing. Um, it looks like right now they're just doing movie nights and stuff, but we can talk more on what they're going to do with that further because I would love to get them involved with our station. I and think even... it's a movie Sunday night, actually. Really? Yeah. Mike, this is a good test. If you want me to promote your thing, you got to uh, send me a message on the Facebook. I'll promote it right now. Oh, my producer. Oh, Are we still we live? I think okay. so. I have a little... Oh, there we go. Okay. We're still figuring out how to do this, people. Um, so, yeah, if you want to call in, our number is 872-810-2125. We're going to get into some rent control issues soon. I also want to talk about some big news that dropped today from Elizabeth Warren, who released her big housing plan um, online. And there was actually a lot of great points that she brought it up, that she brought up on it. Um and a lot of things that especially are interesting as somebody who comes from Cambridge or lives in Cambridge to discuss because it sounded like she was addressing a lot of the issues that we're dealing with here in Cambridge. She was. And um, I, I got to just make it known, DSA, we're behind Bernie Sanders 100%. The Bernie or Bust Amendment, as it was called, passed at National. Boston DSA endorsed too. So I also brought up Bernie's plan. But I got to be honest to all the Bernie people out there. There are some issues where, just on paper, Warren does have some better policies. She has a plan. She has a plan. But a plan's not enough. We're going to get into that later. I, okay. I probably have to go off on a whole thing about it, to be honest. I feel like to maintain your DSA approval, you're going to have to say things. But I don't have anyone's approval to keep. And you know what? I like Liz at this point. Right. I li- She said a lot of great things on, uh, on the plan she released today. Um, we can go into that later. She also sided with my girl Taylor Swift against private equity firms uh, recently over the weekend. That was a big thing blowing up on Twitter uh, that I did want to talk about. Um, it was like AOC and Elizabeth Warren and Taylor Swift squatting up against 
private God. equity firms like the Carlisle Group. Don't laugh. No, no, no. All right. They're not wrong. Because of the amount of work that you did, can I do my quick eye roll but then explain why? And then you can make, make me look bad by actually going into why this is an important issue. Okay, sure. So originally, my, I couldn't help but eye roll because just the linking and like the press of AOC likes a tweet from Taylor Swift, it makes me think, is this actually like the most important thing that's going on? Like, should AOC really be focusing on this? That's my eye roll. The next two seconds of me think, Taylor Swift probably has like, what, 40, 50 million Twitter followers. Yes. There's all these people who are just non-political, who all they do is T-Swift and, I don't know, buy their bags. I don't, I don't know what. Uh, also, like, blow up Twitter and like and like dox the yeah. Carlisle group so, to so make if sure AOC and she does and she does this awesome. Like, she bridges that world, those two yeah. worlds between like the pop, non political, but it's now cool to be political. So I support it. But now that you've done your deep dive, actually made me wish I read more of the article and just didn't read the headline. Okay, so let's go there. I guess we'll go straight into it. I haven't finished this beer yet, but I'm ready. Let's roll it up. So anyway, as a lot of you may have seen on Twitter and on the internet and in the news this weekend, actually, it seems like she got what she wanted. Just spoiler alert. It looks like she's going to be allowed to like play her old songs at the like American Music Awards. So they caved because the Swift following is that strong. Okay. Now, you might get into this, but wasn't this already a thing that she w- was going to get the rights back to her originals? Or she was going to, like, like buy them back. Them? She had to re-record them, yeah. which seems like a lot of work for somebody who already did all the work making the music. It is, but then it's another excuse to get people to buy, like, the new, re- new okay. recording. Yes, you can look at this in an extremely cynical way and be like, well, Taylor Swift is just trying to get publicity and money, and I can respect that. But she did call out one of the worst private equity firms in the world. And got AOC and Elizabeth Warren to, like, bring attention to it. So, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's true. And I, I love T. Swift, for the record. Yeah, we both Big love T. Taylor Swift. Swift. Um, so she wrote a Tumblr post, uh, I think, on Friday. And she was really frustrated about the sale of her back catalog to uh, this private equity firm, Carlisle Group. It was actually because they bought, like, her old record label. And she wasn't able to play her older songs on TV. And they were basically being held hostage by her former managers. And uh, she tweeted this whole thing, actually asking the Carlisle group for help on this and asking her fans to sort of blow them up and try to get them to help. So what really set me off about this tweet was the fact that she was calling out this Carlisle group. And that name should ring a bell to any old activists out there, any old researchers, anyone who's been following the military industrial complex as long as I have. And there's a lot of people out there who have. Um, I'll get into that. This is when I feel bad because I did nothing in my 20s. All I did was like uh, drink and shoot pool. So whenever you mention stuff like this that happened in like like the Iraq War, I was in JROTC in high school while you were protesting the Iraq War. How's that? And now I'm your co-host, huh? Who who saw that one coming? Well, I'm glad you cho- you switch sides. Let's put it that way. That's true. But you so, you have to explain who these people are. Oh yeah, I will. So let's go. So in comes AOC. This is where I saw the headline. She was tweeting to sort of support Taylor Swift, and she was backing her calling out the larger issue of private equity firms in general, um, saying private equity groups' predatory practices actively hurt millions of Americans. Their leveraged buyouts have destroyed the lives of retail workers across the country, scrapping one million, over a million jobs. Now they're holding Swift's own music hostage. They need to be reined in. Doesn't stop at music for people with friends or family who worked in retail or suddenly laid off or hours deeply cut, like Toys R Us, Sears, Sport Authority, sometimes stripped of severance, um, and a million jobs destroyed. So in this case, I think she's referring to Bain Capital, not the Carlisle Group, um, because the Carlisle Group is even more evil. 
So uh, Bain Capital, which I'm pretty sure is located in Boston, which I'm pretty sure Deval Patrick, yes, who, and uh, contender, uh, either he definitely worked for them. Yes, either, he up did until recently or yes. in the past. Until he launched his like campaign, basically, because that site, the he he always had a profile on their webpage as somebody who worked for them, and that recently had a 403 error. Ever since he announced his candidacy for president. Oh, look at that. We can go into that some other time. but And yeah. very quickly, some 101 out there, private equity firms. If somebody Googles this and corrects me, please do. We're, we're going to encourage that. We're going to encourage this as a space for learning. But very simply, a private equity firm is re really when a bunch of people get together with their own private assets and say, oh, hey, if we just all pool our money together, we can go buy Toys R Us strip it for as much money as we can, and then just bankrupt it. Yeah, and uh, start helping them make the most money they can selling it out. But this isn't even the most evil situation. That's like just standard capitalism right there. I'm t when it comes to the Carlisle Group, I'm talking about a history of war profiteering. So, I mean, for people like me who have been into researching this a long time, shout out to um, my years helping Barrett Brown and uh, sort of being involved with the Project PM and anonymous groups that would do this sort of research on a lot of leaks. Um, this is like basically a, a group that always was one of the sort of head companies that owned the subsidiaries that we were looking into the whole time. So actually, one of the first places a lot of people would have heard about the Carlisle Group is Michael Moore's documentary Fahrenheit 9-11. Um, that was one of the first times I heard about them and the shenanigans they got into during the, uh, you know, lead up to the big war on terror post 9-11 era. Uh, era, uh, the Carlisle Group hired George W. Bush Sr., George H. W. Bush, um, on their advisory board while his son was president and while they had investments in so many military companies that were making weapons of war, which wow. seems like quite a conflict of interest. So I thought the Bidens were the first time that a family member uh, got hooked up with a gig because of their name. No? Where have you been? No, I missed that one. Yeah, you missed that one. That's old news. Also, shout out Chelsea Clinton. I was joking. I know the history of all this. <laughs> um, so, you know, basically, well, they had, you know, a president, a son of a son of their advisor running around making war everywhere, dropping bombs, building weapons. Um, they were making a huge windfall on all the companies they invested in. Let's fast forward past, you know, the early 2000s to the like later 2000s, maybe 2008, 2009. When the Carlyle Group made a $910 million investment to buy a majority stake in Booz Allen Hamilton, which was a government consulting business, which went and it went on to make $2 billion off its, as its shareholders. And this is one of the most well-known and profitable investments that they have a history with because at this time, the endless war was still ramping up. Even though this was the Obama era, the surveillance technology was really blowing up and they were basically owning their subsidiaries were part of all of the companies involved in this. So one of the things which coincidentally was named Swift, um, since we're getting into Taylor Swift, <laughs> we go. was uh, it, it all one of the controversies, circle. which the ACLU investigated in like 2000, I might be getting the year wrong, 8, 2010, 2013, was another conflict of interest involved when the NSA was intercepting and retaining data from the Swift network, which was a financial transaction network all over the world, uh, used by thousands of banks to send information and, uh, oh, we're getting a comment. How's the mic sound? Okay. I'll stay closer to it. Um, so the document, so basically a bunch of documents were leaked by our, our boy Edward Snowden, uh, who worked at Booz Allen Hamilton during shout that time Snowden. period. Shout out, to, shout out to Snowden. Um, and they revealed that, you know, the NSA had spied on Swift using a variety of methods, including the printer traffic from numerous banks. 
Um, and ACLU called out Booz Allen Hamilton for being complicit in the unlawful surveillance of the SWIFT network. And this was another conflict of interest, given that they were actually supposed to be auditing the lawful and constitutional use of that sort of surveillance technology. And this is just one sort of like tentacle in the web of surveillance technology. And I have a lot of friends who could probably update us on what people are doing further. But this is sort of one of the big things we were looking into at the time. And uh, at the time, the Carlisle Group was a two-thirds majority shareholder of Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, they also more recently invested in groups like Westco Aircraft Holdings, which provides integrating supply chain solutions to BAE systems to support the Eurofighter Typhoon, currently seeing action as part of the Royal Saudi Air Force used by the Saudis to bomb Yemen. How do you feel about the Saudis? Uh, this is a very anti-Saudi uh, show. That's going to be a tough, uh, <laughs> a tough words for me to pronounce in my accent. <laughs> yeah. But no. Boo the Saudi Empire. Yeah. So basically, you know, it sounds like they are still making money off war profiteering, <laughs> though we'll get into they've actually divested into entertainment and fashion more recently. And this is the part that threw me because, again, Lauren is getting all this from a headline of AOC supports Taylor Swift that I rolled yeah. my eyes at. No, I saw the Carlisle group and I'm like, oh, those guys again? What a bunch of jerks. And now why are they... Why do you think they're diversifying into entertainment and Taylor Swift songs? Because they are actually a company based on making the most profit in the short term. Oh, so just basic capitalism. Yes, it's basic capitalism. The thing is, they have no scruples. And, <sighs> you know, they are known for, you know, at the time, Booz Allen Hamilton was one of their major investments. That company was known for being part of the, like, revolving door of the military industrial complex, hiring former, like, security <sighs> chief of staff, James Clapper. I might be getting the title wrong. But there was a lot of people moving in and out of government, high-level government positions uh, into these private uh, companies that were basically contractors, making a lot of money off our taxes, in fact, because these contracts were <laughs> awarded by the U.S. government. So, you know, we talk about how we can't afford things like health care. Um, <laughs> let's talk about what we are actually paying for and whether this is actually keeping us safer. But that's a topic for another day. So anyway... Um, they have always continued to grow their portfolio just by making our lives worse. Um, so it was funny to see her actually appeal to the Carlisle Group for help now that they own a bunch of her music. Uh, it seems like her sort of following has blasted them enough to have them sort of relent. And it looks like she'll be able to perform her music live on TV. And they're like, oh, we never said she couldn't. Maybe it was a publicity stunt. But it's really important to do your research on the Carlisle Group and stay, like, stay focused on what they continue to do because they're really spot on. Actually, as I was researching this, I discovered that they are now buying trailer parks and oh, jacking up the rent. Yes. And actually, John Oliver did a segment um, a few months ago on this where there, people are losing their mobile homes that they own, but they have to pay more for the land space. I'm actually pretty sure this is a major investment by George Soros as well. I, I mean, somebody needs to fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure this is also one of his big. There's things. actually a lot of good. I mean, at least there were a lot of good tools to research stuff like that. Um, but I also remember them from like maybe 2013. I don't know if they're still up. Project PM was a good one. We can go into a whole episode on that and have Barrett Brown call in at some point. Um, Baverule.net was another good one, full of like flowcharts and graphs of like who owns what and different like heads of companies and what boards they sit on. Um, but in general, that's why I kind of got my headline boner of the week was AOC, Taylor Swift, and the Carlisle Group. All right. Shout out Lauren. Yeah. It wasn't that deep a dive, but, I mean, if anyone wants to Google it more, there's a lot of great stories out there in their history. And uh, you can see the other subsidiaries and the evil stuff they've done. I actually only scratched the surface on the technologies that they 
invested in and uh, how they continue to be a problem for human rights and civil liberties. Oh, we could do a whole thing on uh, Obama's expanding of the surveillance and the drone network in the Middle East. Yeah, I mean, and America. And America. Again, shout out Snowden. Full amnesty for Snowden. Yeah. (laughs) Which Bernie has not come out to say yet. That might be a little, I mean, DSA, I always have to be a little bit to his left, but if I ever got the chance to challenge him on something, that might be one of my top three things that I would ask him to do. Was Pardon Snowden? Oh, just for, yeah, just ask did that question. Just, did you just say that to make me happy? Maybe. Because that's my boy. Yeah, I'm trying to get on your good side. Oh, yeah. Snowden's awesome. Yeah. Um, the, the amount of information that we've like learned and still learned, like the media uh, batches them, but they fed off those leaks for years. And, like every three to six months, there would just be another massive story that uh, the mainstream media would play on, all coming off of his leaks. Yeah, and there was actually a lot of stuff that was left unturned as well because there were a lot of leaks, as well as the Stratfor leaks, um, or stuff released by the Stratfor hacks. There was still a lot of data that like people that were in the know going into it, like no, but maybe hadn't like put together a story on so there's actually still a lot of wealth of data there i would love to see some more big public leaks come out that aren't just like one letter this or that i would love to see some more of that did you see what happened today when it comes to leaks so the intercept in the new york times today or like midnight this morning how did i not see this they released um all of these files from um, the Iranian government and really about their infiltration of every level of iraq's political system which, like the intercept, you always trust the intercept. So when the intercept does a story, you take it seriously and you trust uh, their integrity and like why they're promoting it. When the yeah. New York Times does it, you do have to second guess and think, oh, is this going to be used to try to ramp up some uh, war effort for Iran? But basically, all it is is pointing out the massive. You can't call it the Iraq War a failure. It was um, war crimes. It was like, exactly as it was designed. It it, it was the murder of yeah. from, uh, half a million to a million people, but. Uh, how uh, much Iran benefit, benefited from it. And so a lot of the reports is just talking about how Iran, I'm not going to curse because we're on Facebook, how hot Iran dominated the CIA at every level in terms of just taking over surveillance systems. Once we pulled out of Iraq, all these former spies that the CIA built up, Iran was just like, oh, like we'll, we'll pay you. Just keep right. doing what you're doing for us. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of the, uh, isn't that what we did to their military as well once we... Yes. After, like, um, shock and awe, and we say, oh, all you guys with experience in the military need to go away because you were part of the bath party, and Uh, so so you don't count. If there are any imperial powers listening, if you ever do a foreign invasion (laughs) and you take out the dictator, do not disband the army. What ends up happening is you have a bunch of young males between the ages of 15 to 35 with no job, and they have a gun. So what they tend to do is they form even more reactionary groups like ISIS. <laughs> do you want ISIS? Because this is how we get ISIS. Basically. So <laughs> if, if anyone can remember that lesson, you keep the military and you keep paying the people. Because at the end of the day, this will always be about people's material needs. Right. And as long as you give them a little bit of power, just a little bit of democracy, maintain their uh, material needs, it's not actually that hard to take over another country. Plus, they already know how to aim, whereas like maybe the average, you know— guy they bring in off the street to try to make a new military out of isn't really yeah you know you kind of get in like the jv squad at that point yeah right <laughs> you gotta hire from within yeah but that was awesome oh um it's funny because i didn't even plan on bringing up the iran thing but i have to bring up another sad thing with iraq let's Did do not it. think we would do this much with iraq let's do it just it hit me last night so once i get through all my news stories i hop on social media to see if there's anything i missed 
And because of what we did to Fallujah in 2004, Fallujah has a higher, I'll, I'll say toxicity rate, I might be getting that jargon wrong, than Hiroshima and Nagasaki did after the atomic bombs. So Fallujah has the most still, uh, is it called stillborn deaths? Uh, I believe in the world because of how much radiation, because we dropped uranium bombs on them in 2004. And used depleted uranium shells. Yes. And, and then the kids played in the tanks. And there's an account, which really, um, which is from one of the hospitals, and all they do is they post the f- uh, like another picture of like another stillborn. I was not like emotionally prepared for it. I didn't like retweet it because I think you got to be like in the mindset to see yeah, that. Yeah, so but when I saw that, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that really sucks that my yeah. tax dollars did that and right. without any accountability. So. Right. Shout out again, Obama. Way to turn the page after uh, your election. That was awesome. That yeah. was a great call. That like we're definitely not suffering the consequences so of having uh, no checks and balances on an executive administration. So much for that hopey, changey yeah. stuff, right? Thanks, Obama. Thanks, Obama. Um, no, be, you're absolutely right. I think I saw that one too, but I don't like to look at those pictures. They're right. alarming. But I mean, we need to know. The world needs to know. Remember Agent Orange? Remember what happened mm-hmm. in the '70s? We need to know, and we need to hold people accountable. Chelsea is sitting there in a cell now. For holding people accountable. To this day, Chelsea Manning is sitting there for refusing to testify before the grand jury. And I give her a lot of credit for sticking to her guns on this. She's been through a lot. And what she did was expose war crimes. So shout out to Chelsea Manning yeah, for Chelsea. some of the original leaks and video of what's going on over there. I think and still in like solitary confinement. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if she's in solitary, but probably on and off at least. Um, I know that she's refusing to testify before a grand jury. And apparently that's super illegal. Yes. Yeah. Which kind of blows. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope they let her out soon. I hope that all passes. But it's almost like, you know, we had a lot of movement on that issue, like 2013, 14, 15. And then yeah, everybody got arrested. Basically. And, like, the movement kind of got, like, shook. Yeah. But out of that ashes, energy is not created nor destroyed. Now we got the Bernie Sanders wing. Taking the taking the torch, Medicare for all. It's all part of the same thread. Trust me. Okay, I hope you're right. I am. So all the people out there who uh, like uh, occupy Wall Street takes like a lot of grief because of some like internal dynamics or how they were structured. All the movements are interconnected. You can't you can't just remove Occupy Wall Street and say it didn't do anything. Like you can't. Thank you. Th- th- there was a through line from the Iraq War protests to Occupy Wall Street to Black Lives Matter to Bernie Sanders to AOC, to, I almost was going to say the old name of our show. Yeah, to <laughs> Renters Radio, yeah. right so here in Boston. Yeah. But we're talking about a lot of national stuff right now. Um, um, I was going to say, to have some fun, bring it local. Do you want to talk about rent control? Let's talk about rent control. Uh, uh, man, Herb, do you have the audio? Yes, I do. All right. Now, I wish I knew this woman's name. W- Denise? So... Th- um, that from that, that I took the segment from. I don't know your name, Radio Boston WBUR. Uh, every now and then, like she can she can pull guests that we will be able to pull, but some uh, great content. And she did a story about two weeks ago. I'll Google the name during the audio, just so I can give you props. Compare and contrasting the two creators of the statewide rent control ban, and then also after that. Uh, friends of the show, Mike Connolly and Nika, had yeah. like a response segment. I figured that we can do that response segment. So what we have for you now is the audio from the creators of the rent control. 
And now before we say this, because we might make fun of them, we might be a little mean. I don't know John and Denise. They could be incredible people. They could take out the trash of their neighbors. All of my criticism is on them as public figures and what their policy did to the greater Boston area. And how they passed us. What kind of challenges had there been, Ooh. and why didn't those work? Well, they tried at the local level um, to make reforms to rent control in Cambridge. The problem there is that two-thirds of the residents of Cambridge are tenants. So necessarily there was a, an absolute uh, majority against reforming rent control at the local level. So uh, to me, a statewide ballot, a statewide rule uh, was the way to go. All right, and I should have set that up uh, better. So the question was, in 1994, when this, when rent control, uh, that ballot initiative was on it, there were only three cities throughout all of Massachusetts. Massachusetts has 351 cities and towns. There were only three cities that even had rent control. Boston, Cambridge, and Brookline. And the question was phrased to John, what? Why was it that you just didn't try to get this passed at the local level? And did you hear what John's response to that was? Looking at you, Lauren. What? Were you listening to the audio? I was listening to it last night. our producer took hours of his time and labor to set up for us? Well, because at the local level, they didn't support it. Correct. It's because two-thirds of the city, just like as it is today, are renters. And so the reason why you couldn't get it passed at the local level was that you had an initiative which benefited a supermajority of the people that lived in your city and town. Yeah, and if you're trying to get um, get something passed that the people in the towns that most affects don't support, the best way to go about doing that is go all over the state and make it a statewide issue. Yes. And um, actually, Herb, can you go back to uh, – just started at 33 seconds. So that was why they uh, John didn't want to go at the local level. But I want everyone to hear what was John's reason. Why did he get behind this? Why did he want to champion rent control? Because, let's say, right, see, I didn't actually want you to listen to it last night. I wanted to let you guess live. Don't worry, I didn't pay much attention. That's okay. Do you think John and Denise were renters <laughs> or landlord owners? They were absolutely landlords. Yes. Well, It's funny. So Denise was, and we're going to get to Denise in a second. John actually wasn't a landlord. He was a property owner, but he had a very specific reason why he became one of the champions of the rent control. That's how he first got involved with the issue. For me, I was an owner-occupier of a condo that was supposed to be rented out under rent control. And um, at some point, the rent board started cracking down on condos that were in that situation that had missed a deadline for condo conversion to get out of rent control. There were several hundred, at least, uh, units that had missed the denlight from the condo conversion, but they'd never cracked down and enforced this rule against owner occupancy. Meaning that if you bought the unit while it was rent controlled and you weren't living in it, you couldn't then convert it to be something you could live in. It had to remain as a rent controlled unit. That's right. We had to rent it out to a third party. So, for example, I I had a $700 mortgage when I was living at it in, in this unit. If um, I had to rent it out to somebody else, I would have gotten like 130 in rent. So it, if the crackdown really affected people like me, there were 24 units in my building. Almost all of us were owner-occupiers, so we were all so-called condo criminals. We could have been, theoretically, we could have been evicted. I don't think anybody ever was. Um, and we could have been subject to a, I think it was a $100 a day fine. 
I don't think anybody ever actually received a fine. But okay. Wait. <laughs> so this is tough, and that's why like I wanted us to highlight this because that was very easy just to kind of gloss over. You actually have to listen to what John said he did. So what John did was he bought a rent control department. Now, if you were the owner, the rent control departments are there not for owners but for the renters. So if you buy a rent control department, you either need to A, rent it out, or B, you need to convert it to a condo. Right. Now, what John was doing, was John is openly admitting, was John was breaking the law. John did not convert it into a condo. He wanted to stay where he was. And which is against the law. Right. And so that made John feel bad. And as John was saying, even though, again, he was in open violation of the law, they weren't cracking. The police were not cracking down on this. Nobody went to prison. Nobody even got fined for breaking. Right. The law. They could have. They Ooh. could have. But instead, John was in a position where rather than just saying, oh, I'm breaking the law, I should stop you have a position where you can actually just change the law. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to highlight this. Right. Because for most people in this country, when you break the law, especially if you're doing like drug offenses or traffic or if you live in a low-income community, people of color, indigenous populations, when you break the law, you're going to get the full extent of the law. You right. have all of the resources of the state are going against you. But we have other stratus, uh, classifications of people that when they break the law, they just say, oh, all right, well, let's just change the law. That's an easy way of getting around it. Well, I guess if they have all that money, they're saving on their 700 Was that really a $700 mortgage in Cambridge he's talking about? Yes. Oh, my God. And so I, I can't even get $700 rent in Cambridge. And I can't uh, verify uh, what he was saying when, it, uh, when he said I have $700 in mortgage, so if I rented it out, it would, I could only rent it at $150. A, I don't know if that's accurate. B, he is openly stating that he bought it with the intention of living in it, and he just illegally didn't convert it to a condo right and um all right herb can you hop over to uh denise's motivation now at 355 implement rent control that's correct under those conditions nobody in the right mind would go for the exception so denise i want to bring you into this why were you initiating and, and getting so active in repealing rent control my husband and i purchased a rent controlled property in north cambridge four units we lived in one we rented three and we understood when we bought it that it was rent controlled. What we didn't understand is what that really meant. And um, after, you know, a very short period of time, um, I realized we were we were in so far over our head just in terms of being able to properly care for our property and plan for our future. Um, okay. A, Denise has the sweetest voice. Oh, my gosh. She does sound like a very sweet, like, old grandmother. So many old grandmothers would sign that bill. Yes. That's your petition that she passed around. So, obviously, Denise's motivation is she is a landlord. She, I think it's four units, she said. So, she lives in one with her family. She rents out the other three. And so, they bought this as it, what a lot of families do, what my family does, my uncle I believe now owns the duplex that my grandparents bought. And that is one of the major reasons of wealth disparity in this country is the white middle class was able to purchase homes. And I wish I, my family had an apartment they could rent me. Yeah, you, uh, uh, Frank's probably listening. Uh, <laughs> even though we're not going to kick out the nice lady who's been living there since I've been born <laughs> anyway. So Denise bought this as an investment property. But her and uh, her partner didn't know what it meant to have rent-controlled units. 
meaning you can't just jet, you can't just buy it and then jack up the rent without any uh, limitations or caps on how much you can. So Denise's whole motivation was that this investment was not making her as much money as she wanted, which is why. And then I forgot to Google your name. I swear I'm going to do it. Can you go to a uh, five thirty five? back down again. It's convoluted. Denise, there must have been critics at the time who said, um, we understand your capital repairs argument, but you also have three rental units. And if rent control goes away, you're, you're just going to make a lot more money on the rents in those rental units. Did that figure into your calculus? That's an argument that you always hear. And, um, you know, the reason, <laughs> and there are there are so many reasons um, why this system is just a failed housing policy. All right, Herb, um, you can actually just stop it right there. Because I don't want to get distracted with um, all of the like bad reasons she's about to say why this is a failed housing policy. Did you hear the long pause when asked? That's an argument you always hear. <laughs> which, honestly, I would have so... I don't know, Denise, but I would have so much more respect for people like Denise if you just said... Absolutely. I bought this as an investment property right. for myself and my family's future. This is going to make us more money, and that's why I'm doing it. I didn't right. create the system. I'm just trying to live in it. I would have so much more respect for people if that's just how they talk. Instead, it's long pause. You don't for a moment want to recognize that what you're doing is going to cause real harm to the three uh, families that are living in your rentals. So I'm just going to quickly pivot and explain why actually what I'm doing is the best thing you can and why this is really a, a good policy. Just be yeah. truthful. That's all. Yeah. I mean, it's better than being a hypocrite. Yeah. Um, so. Because then, again, uh, you get what she continues to do. Uh, did you keep it where it was? All right. So now let, let's hear some of uh, – you got it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Sorry. That's okay. I don't know. Maybe like around six. Sure. We can hear Denise's long pause again because I do love it. It's very sweet. That's an argument that you always hear. And, um, you know, the reason – and there are – there are so many reasons um, why this system is just a failed housing policy. Um, you know, the, what we what we were able to expose during the Question Nine campaign were the shortcomings of rent control, um, which included the deterioration of the housing stock, the disproportionate amount of state aid that went to other cities and towns, the overregulation of private property, the creation of a divisive community, an acrimonious political climate. It, it, it just went on and on and on. It was a failed housing policy. <laughs> she said too many things, and none of those are really good arguments that I want to actually spend too much time on. Uh, I just want to say that I feel like the ban on rent control did all of the same things that she was saying that rent control did. Acrimonious political climate and... Correct. Uh, you also, know what I mean? Like Also, the detour... Um, I'm going to get into this after John. Uh... But w one of the most common things you'll hear is that the reason we can't reinstate rent control is that it'll lower the amount of development, and we need more development. So when people use phrases like the deterioration of the housing stock, what they're saying is rent control keeps housing, the amount of just housing units down because people don't want to invest here. I'm going to let John, the next part, 1140, he fleshes it out in a very cute, young I attended one macroeconomics class, and I didn't really learn too much from it type of way, but I think that's going to be a better uh, pitch to hit. I think the answer to that is, it, first of all, um, I, I believe in the fairness of market economics in distributing housing fairly, um, but the, the way to help um, 
lower income people with housing is to create more housing. It's a supply and demand thing. Um, there's a there's downward pressure on um, increasing the supply, even though there's a, a great demand for housing in the Boston area. So um, I'm not an economist or anything, but I mean it's it's basic supply and demand. You need to increase the number of units in the Boston area to keep prices within range for low-income people. Otherwise, you have to Actually, wait. I'll let you finish, John. Otherwise... Okay. So um, what happens, I think the, some of the people you're talking about moved from Cambridge to Somerville. They then... Okay, no, 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 because I have to explain that point because you, uh, if you listen to Marty Walsh, you're going to hear that point. If you listen to Charlie Baker, you're going to hear that point. If you read the Boston Globe editorial board, you're going to hear that point. The most common thing that people say is that this is a simple economics. Did you ever take macroeconomics? Uh, yes. Are you lying? No. Did you <laughs> <laughs> Why do you doubt me? Because you, you looked very suspicious. Uh, I mean, I don't want a pop quiz, but you oh. know, um, yes, I took, I took macro and oh. micro economics. Uh, I think just macro actually. Okay. But. One of the first things you learn in macroeconomics is the little, uh, supply and demand chart. Right. And that's if there's high demand and a low supply. Right. Prices go up. If you got too much uh, supply and not enough demand, then the prices plummet. For some reason, this is the only thing anyone remembers from that class. I just r roughly explained it in 17 seconds. What that assumes in housing, and the reason why this is a very common talking point, is that it assumes that all of the units we've built are filled, and so we need more. And if we created <laughs> more, then that will lower the cost because now you're reaching the demand. But listen to what I just said. That assumes that all of the units we've created are actually filled. Would it surprise anyone listening to know that all of this development, all of these luxury towers, the seaport, downtown, Austin, Brighton, would it surprise anyone to know that we actually have a lot of vacancies <laughs> and that those are all investment properties where no one is living? No Re one would be surprised by that. Okay. If you're tuning into Renters Radio, you shouldn't be. You are the elite of the elite. You know what you're talking about. Yeah. But just to give you some more ammunition, Institute of Policy Studies, what they found was that 35% were owned by what are called LLCs, limited liability corporations, just basic businesses, or trusts. And there is no documentation of who the owners are. Going even further to that, and for some reason, 40% are all located in Delaware. I know Delaware has like a lot of tax breaks. It's, uh, Delaware, Connecticut, and oddly enough, South Dakota are three of like the, like, like we always think of the Cayman Islands as like tax shelters. There's actually a lot in this country that uh, people use. So Delaware, I know, is one of them. But one of the oddest things is that almost 80% don't use what's called a resident exemption. I'm going to get real wonky on everyone now. Right Let's now. go. Okay. 1914. To inspire or helping what were, of course, the white Americans at that time. To make sure they could afford housing, the federal government started to offer something which they do to this day, which is if you own your own house, you get a tax break. Right. You get a couple thousand dollars from Uncle right. Sam, which, of course, as a socialist, I'll say, we really shouldn't uh, be giving thousands of dollars to people who can't afford their homes. If we're going to give that money, maybe we should give it to people who can't afford their homes. But still to this day, if you are a homeowner, you are a part of a government program which subsidizes your standard of living, which gives you money. Just wanted you to know that. 
What they found, though, looking at all these luxury developments, was that over 80%, eight out of every 10, four out of every five, I'll do this fraction any way you want, nobody claims the exemption. What that means is that there was nobody actually physically living in the place as a home. Right. So 80%, again, we don't keep records of this purposefully, because if we did, then we would realize how inefficient the system is. But just doing this uh, study, for 80%, 35% of which they could tell were from shell corporations or trusts, eight out of every 10 of these luxury developments, there is nobody living there. Nobody's claiming the exemption. Well, I mean, anybody who lives in this area can tell you that about these new luxury units that they're building yes. all over Cambridge, Austin, uh, Brighton, Boston. You can just go for you. a walk at night and see if you can see any lights between the hours of yeah. 7 to 9. Yeah. So whenever you hear from anyone in office, from anyone from the BPDA, that we need to build more housing so we can have more housing stock to reduce prices, I want you to tell them what I just told you. <laughs> it is a complete lie. It yeah. is all empty boxes. It is a handful of billionaires and hedge funds that have so much money that they can't even buy any more stock. So 60% of all assets are in real estate, and you just buy land. However, if anyone has one, and it has Wi-Fi, and the utilities are turned on, and wants to let me live there... (laughs) We have enough enough vacant units in this country that every single homeless person could be given to. Absolutely, but a lot of them are in Detroit. Yeah, sure. Go live in Detroit. But a lot of them are in Boston, or a lot of them in Boston too. You think we? I do. You think we could just? Oh, absolutely. We've got enough empty units to house everyone that's homeless in Boston. Here's a phrase I want everyone to get used to: eminent domain. Eminent domain means the state, whenever it wants, can actually take your property. Right. Whenever it wants, we have to pay you, quote unquote, market value. What I say, what Jeremy Corbyn is doing over across the pond, as they call it. The government, all these vacant units that are owned by trusts, no, nope. um, eminent domain, we're going to buy them public housing. There you go. That's all you That ha- sounds good. You could solve homelessness in an hour and a half. Just open the doors. Nobody's living there. And right. Just say, okay, you know what? Stay here for the night. Like, we'll, we'll figure this out. We'll figure out who gets what. Just, okay, here you go. Here's a roof over your head. Nobody dies tonight. No one's going to die in the cold. Right. No one's going to die in the street. Solve it in an hour and a half, and we can all go home. And I can't pronounce this woman's name. Can you do that? Tiziana Deering. This interview was by Tiziana Deering. I probably mispronounced it, but I did my best. That was better than I would have done. Okay. Okay, that felt very good. But I do want to do one last point. We got to hear from Denise one more time. Let's do it. Uh, Can you go to 1010? Because this does get into the landlord mindset. And to understand that. And then there was this, you know, the, the, the fundamental unfairness of it all, that somehow on the backs of small property owners, people like myself and my husband, who, you know, bought this for family. We had two kids. We're both working. We're trying to save money to put our kids through college at the, you know, they were little at the time, but that was the goal. And, and somehow I was supporting, you know, the people that were living in our units in a, but, but, you know, the, the people next door that had a two family home that was home, you know, owner occupied, wasn't they were not subject to the same rules and regulations so there was this fundamental okay did you catch what denise was really mad about she was mad about being oppressed as a land as a on this as a landlord so she began that segment as unfairness right and she started by talking about how unfair it was that she start had to subsidize in some way her renters but then she quickly pivots and she says it's so unfair again And then she brings up the landlord that lives next to her, 
And she says it is so unfair that she bought an investment property that doesn't have rent control. And my neighbor got to make more money than me. Oh, boo-hoo. That, that is the cause of this. <laughs> you have somewhere to live, lady. That, that is the cause of this. It's that what I have, because you're making money. If, if you have a four-unit uh, place, even if it's rent control, you're still making money. The difference is you're not making as much as your neighbor. And that is what angers these people. We are the Joneses. Is that the person <laughs> next door made a better investment because they knew what rent control was. Denise began the segment by saying that her and her partner didn't know what that was. So she begins it by saying she kind of made a bad investment. Yeah. Which, yeah, if, again, if she just if you're doing it for money, just for all the landlords out there, yeah, just we can have rent control and just don't buy rent control units to make yeah. money. Yeah, it sounded like a lot of, actually, both of them kept bringing up, I know when I was listening last night, uh, it sounded like they just didn't think a lot of things through. And that was a lot of their problems with rent control was yeah. that like, oh, there were regulations I didn't know yeah. about and I had to get in like approval to fix my thing. And like, well, I think a lot of times people have to get approval to do things to their house. Yeah, as John was saying, in general, he you just have it. to go and submit a thing to City Hall and then they tell you you can do it. It's yeah. not he, that he, hard. He didn't uh, transfer it as a condo, which, again, if you're a certain type of person and you break the law, you're going to go spend right. five years in a box. But luckily, if you're John, you can just do a ballot initiative and change the law, <laughs> and you can just keep living where you're living. Yeah. So thank you, John and Denise. That felt very good. <laughs> you did a great job of breaking it down for, for me and for the listeners. Um, where are they now? Like, are they... I mean, they just did that interview, and John and Denise, if you ever come across this, you are more than welcome to call yeah. in the show. Yeah, call in right now, John and Denise. Uh, we joke... We, we joke a lot here. I can be a little irritating, but I tr- promise anyone who calls in who has different views than me, I will be very, very polite. Yeah, and remember, we can take callers. I would love for somebody to call us and test it out. Our number is 872-810-2125. We have a Chicago area code. I don't know why, but that's the number for Renters Radio here. Um, give us a call. I actually want to take a quick break. Ooh, can we? Uh, can we do like a yeah, we do that segment? Oh, yeah, music segment? No? As her ever staring at Oh, yeah, because we'd break the copyright laws if we go longer than 30 seconds? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll start a new video. All right, let's start a new video. We'll be back in, like, I don't know, five minutes. I got to pee. All right. <laughs> Quick back bathroom break. We will get back to you. All right, thanks for listening. Stay classy. Hey, that was really cool. Nice. Um, yeah, man. Good job on the deep dive. Mm-hmm. Every time, every time I we talk played, too fast. Uh, no, that was really good. That was really cool. Every time we uh, went into a little clip, I just put up the the renters. Dude, that was really good. Rent- you seen that, dude? Yeah, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, it was really, really cool. I like that. that really <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> no, this is what we usually do with Mike is uh, or on the end. Oh part. shit! Are we still broadcasting? No, we're not broadcasting. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is so stressful. Right. <laughs> back here on renters radio boston um we took a quick break but we are back live here from the undisclosed location inside some market basket somewhere 
Um, I'm Lauren Pespiza, once again, formerly of the Young Jerks, and we have here with us today my fearless co-host, Evan George of the Boston DSA. How you feeling? Feeling good. Fun for a segment that I produced it totally saved, and we don't have to redo. We did not delete it. And did a great job breaking down rent control earlier, so if you haven't had a chance to tune in earlier, um, check out the uh, video we just did where we analyzed the original proponents of the rent control ban in Massachusetts because... Thank you. And we'll probably be talking about rent control at least every episode. Forever. For a, for a little bit. Yeah. For, I mean, forever until it's passed. Sounds but good. Actually, I loved your uh, your deep dive. Yeah, that was a little tangent uh, before a bunch of stuff happened today that uh, I ended up realizing I wanted to talk about more. Um, so, you know, we also can, you know, take callers and uh, talk about whatever you want. There's a few things I want to get to, though. Uh, one of them being that Elizabeth Warren just dropped a housing rights plan. Uh, what's it called? The Affordable Housing Plan. Housing Plan for America. That's what we call it. Um, so I wanted to go through a few things that kind of made me happy about it. I haven't had a chance to analyze it because she just put it out today and I was at work. But said a lot of things that made me happy. I know that we are big Bernie fans over here, but I'm really liking Liz. So Some of us. Some of us are big Bernie fans. Some yeah. of us seem to be waffling a little bit. Are you waffling? I, I meant you. Oh. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sorry, but uh, Liz's uh, housing plan is really, really addressing a lot of issues that are important here in Cambridge, especially. I know she's a Cambridge resident, so maybe that's where it comes from, although I'm sure she has, you know, home ownership and isn't like a poor renter like everybody else I know. Um, But uh, so I'm just kind of scrolling, going through some of the stuff that really, uh, really struck me. Um, one of the first things that I noticed was that she was going to fight for a nationwide right to counsel for low-income tenants. Um, apparently now, if you know, you're know you facing eviction uh, in Massachusetts and elsewhere, you are not given a right to counsel the way you're given a right to counsel and a right to an attorney if you're charged with a criminal offense. Correct. All depends on what state you live in. Some states do have it. Massachusetts does not. Right. And, you know, I've actually uh, been looking into this group called Right to Counsel in Massachusetts, Right to Ca- Massachusetts Right to Counsel Coalition, um, which is kind of trying to push forth a bill to provide a right to counsel for eviction uh, and tenants facing eviction um, the way we do for, you know, criminal cases, uh, which is extremely important considering that a lot of people facing eviction are low income and can't just afford to get a lawyer the the way the landlords can. So the fact that she brings that up as a nationwide issue is especially important to me as a low income renter in Massachusetts. Um, That made me happy. Um, You know, we do have quite a few renters protections here uh, in Massachusetts, but, you know, we could use a little more. The amount of renter protections we actually do have would be staggering, and like, I believe we're all renters in this room. If we actually looked at it, we could probably identify times where, oh, that was illegal. Or, oh, I right. didn't know that. Right. This is all purposefully obfuscated and hard to actually get so that you can't actually implement any of this stuff. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, a, a right to uh, counsel would absolutely uh, help people realize that they had these rights instead of after the fact which happens 
Yeah, until years later when they're on YouTube and they stumble across Rent's radio. Right, like, exactly. Oh, come like, on. Oh, I could have done that. I could have done that. What but, happened? You know, maybe if they had uh, access to a lawyer, a uh, public defender type lawyer that could help them through the process, uh, we would have a lot more headway on that. I know there's a lot of groups that try to help with that sort of thing. Shout out to like City Life Beater Urbana, other groups that help provide tenants with uh, resources that are facing eviction. Um, she's also said a few things I liked, like, sorry, yeah, I'm scrolling here. Oh, Herb, I was thinking we have to get you a, uh, like a mic board so you can drop in sound effects. It's on the docket, (laughs) patreon.com, patreon.com. I can say something that Warren and just because we have to be fair, fair and balanced, Awesome Fox News. Fair and balanced between Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. And, and Bernie Sanders. Again, because there are a lot of issues uh, or differences between them. Uh, we're not going to get into everyone tonight. But one that they both highlight is the importance of how this is interconnected to a Green New Deal. Like the AOC and Bernie legislation is specifically called a Green New Deal for housing, which uh, they have people who are uh, smarter, more talented than I am. I would have linked that to Medicare for All, to be honest, because one of the best things that's going to happen with Medicare for All is let's just pretend we win. We run the house for the next six years. We have Medicare for All in this country. Well, if health uh, care is a human right, and if where you live makes you sick, then guess what? Now housing has to come under that umbrella. Right. And so one of the big reasons that they both address this is, one, because mostly where you live is going to determine how healthy you are. So it's your economic status of your parents, but also like your housing environment. But the two, uh, the second biggest thing is like most of our energy consumption and waste comes from the actual apartment buildings and houses that we live in. So if you address that issue, not only are you A, lowering rents, creating more affordable housing for people, but you're also B, cutting down on carbon emissions. And both Warren and Sanders plan addresses that. Right. And so I definitely skimmed over the green housing initiatives in that plan. Um, I know that that's a, a huge interest to a lot of people a lot of people in cambridge a lot of people in boston a lot of leftists i know um one of the things that uh i would love to get into further of how that kind of thing would be implemented what is that like tax breaks for solar panels and stuff i don't know and this is when the difference between actually i don't even think bernie has gone as far i I looked actually through the house bill today and it's not very uh concrete right like the green new deal was but looking into that this is going to be controlled operated and manufactured by the state and not just giving out grants to private uh, companies okay because one of the big things over in lefty world dsa is we have to completely remove our energy grid from the uh, private market there's absolutely no reason why you have to have a company extract a profit while it's providing what is a basic essential of life which is energy right oh yeah so there's that that whole tie like that all ties into a big topic of like green energy and uh the grid and other stuff i know that there's a lot of working groups in dsa on there is and uh we're definitely going to get some environmentalists who can go off on this to talk us through not just like the national level green new deal stuff but what's going on in boston right but one thing i get to point out and i hate to do it for all the bernie people warren's plan is a little bit more ambitious in terms of federal spending. Cha-ching. Because as much as we're going to give on this show, Charlie Baker and Marty Walsh a very hard time where it comes to the housing policy of not just Boston, but the state, 
in truth, a lot of this comes from a lack of federal spending that's been getting cut from the 70s. Right. You, you cannot do um, with the local estate budget the same thing that you can with the federal budget. And one of the major reasons of the lack of pu- public housing is 100% of the gutting of uh, HUD. And that was like since Nixon, basically, right? Yes, once once Nixon took a turn. Yeah. And then every Democrat after him just kind of followed suit. Right, which is the problem. Everything shifted to the right. and uh... so, so we need that federal uh, – Federal investment and Warren's plan again, just glossing over it, uh, is I think calling for five hundred billion dollars. While Bernie Sanders and AOC's plan is closer to one eighty, and those numbers like they sound insane. So that's out of a ten year projection. You we could just uh, cut our defense spending for one year, still spend the most out of any country on the planet, and pay for all this. We could stop uh, defense contracts with companies like. Buzai and Hamilton See, look and at that. Grumman and bringing the show back <laughs> military-industrial complex is stopping public housing from being built. So, so, the, so once the math gets big, I just remember the number eight hundred billion, and that's one year of defense spending. So, whenever you're trying to evaluate, oh, can we do this over ten years? Can we do this over twenty years? Just yes. remember one year, eight hundred billion dollars. Yeah, that's where the money is. Right, and I mean that's a jobs program in itself, but um, it is, and. Um, and Bernie's great with this. The uh, job with justice, uh, especially around Green New Deal, how you are, I'm sorry, Medicare for all. So many people have jobs in the private insurance industry. Okay, you have to have what's called a just transition. Right. Nobody's getting laid off without any uh, job training, without any benefits to make sure that they're going to be okay. Right. Yeah, there is that transition they've all been working on with the health care plans as well that we've heard a lot about. Um, another thing in Elizabeth Warren's housing plan released today was uh, in bold that her administration will work to stop states from preempting local tenant protection laws, including rent control. Wait, say that again. I need so to make sure I got that. Her, they'll stop states from preempting local tenant protection laws, including rent control, which means that people in the Berkshires can't vote on whether Cambridge implements rent control or not. Obviously, that's great. It's actually not really how it works. Oh, actually, no. To be honest, it could. If you could actually get, if you can get something passed at the federal level, all states have to meet that, and then states have the power to go beyond it. So I actually, uh, I need to look over what the. So you want a is. federal rent control? Yes. Whereas I want, whereas a lot of people are just trying right now to lift the statewide ban and then implement local rent control. Correct. I mean, a you can do both. We can yeah, I mean, and chew gum at the same time. Right. But because a we have a lot more influence with uh, what we can do here at the local and state level in Massachusetts. But ultimately, a lot of this stuff needs needs to get done at the federal level. We can 100% have rent control here in Boston, here in Massachusetts. But if you want to now have the big impact, 350 million people, making sure everyone can afford where they live, you got to get it done at the local level. I'm sorry, at the federal level. Right. Okay. So I guess it's sort of like building it from the cities upward versus building it from the top down. My approach, going back to lefty land, is you do both at the same time. Okay. Both at the same time. Okay, and I guess if you had a president that was willing top to down, do that. Bottom top down, bottom up, turn it around, whatever you got to do, attack on all fronts. Okay. Let's go. Very good, very good. There is also, um, we talked about clean energy, environmental stuff. Let's talk about uh, exploitation of renters by corporate land or, uh, landlords. She calls out uh, Blackstone, one of the largest private equity firms in the world, since 2016, more than 600 complaints have been filed against Blackstone subsidiary invitation homes with the Better Business Bureau. 
and they're currently facing a class action lawsuit in California for subjecting tenants to excessive and illegal late fees. This is something that Elizabeth Warren's been good at in terms of the credit card companies and passing consumer protection laws. So I would really like to see her implement a plan that protected tenants in the same way, if not better, from uh, predatory landlords. And that seems like something that she's calling out. I know we see a lot of that in Cambridge. We see a lot of that in Boston, in California. Um, even, as I pointed out, the Carlisle group is buying trailer parks and raising the rent on everyone. So, And then they can't live there. And they own their home. Technically, it's a mobile home. You own it, but they can't afford the, the land, the rent. So, And it's not like they have anywhere else to go. So um, this is... Uh, one of those things that I actually trust her to do something about because she has done things similar before with these bureaus and these, you know, hotlines and stuff. I don't know. What do you think, Evan? You're smirking no, over there. I'm starting to think of how, how far do I want to take this and is, is this the time to put the foot on the gas pedal or not? Do it. Um, all right. So I'll say I'm a big fan of Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Warren. As I think I said in the first segment, there are some uh, policies where she's actually a little bit more ambitious than Bernie Sanders. If just looking dollar for dollar, she's calling for five hundred billion. Uh, Bernie, five hundred billion. Bernie Sanders is calling for one eighty. She also has a great plan with um, the state-controlled pharmaceutical drug manufacturer. Having said all that, people, you want to give her props, and she certainly does take a victory lap around the dog Frank uh, legislation and like some of the consumer protections that came out of 08 and 09. All of that has been rolled back. All of that has gone back to the status quo from before the Great Recession. And so one of the biggest slights against uh, the technocracy, against people who think all you need is a plan for that, is if you do not address the power dynamics, any small-term wins you get are going to be very easily overthrown and changed one year, two years, five years from now. You are always pushing a boulder uphill if you do not change the actual landscape. So while she gets props for the stuff she does well, I really want to see her start publicly expressing, understanding that dynamic. And she actually has. Whoever she has in terms of her messaging, like she's taken over the phrase, big structural change. She says that now at every mainstream debate. I'm going to plug an event later, Wednesday night. You Everyone's love Liz. Just admit it. Again, I, I'm a Bernie guy, but but a you have to do this tactful, uh, tactfully. You have to be fair. So I'm going to give her points when she gets points. If anyone saw her tweet on Bolivia today, disgusting. She's horrible on foreign oh, policy. Oh yeah, foreign policy. Yeah. And, yeah. and and like we can't ignore that. No, no. I mean, any person who votes or I don't know is skeptical of electoralism, how you vote absolutely determines if people around the world lives or dies because of America's outside influence around the world. So if people want to uh, like grow up or say foreign policy doesn't matter, then you, you, you need to do some more reading or actually have a little bit more empathy from people around the world. Anyway, back to the original point. Warren is good on some stuff, but all this technocracy and these hotlines and these little reforms instantly get rolled back if you don't actually change the larger d dynamic and landscape. That's all. What about uh, her commitment or said, I mean, I don't know how true it is, but she also said that she would require large corporate landlords to publicly disclose data. That's great. You know, um, there's something new, a national public database of information about large corporate landlords requiring them to report key yep. data. And I mean, as a big transparency person, uh, I totally support that. And I actually believe that this is something that we could get done. 
Um, that would be awesome. And most be of, most of the studies, like the one that I had to read for you today, they're done by third parties, right. they're small in scale. Right. We do not keep eviction data in Boston. Right. I can't actually tell you how many people have been evicted. The reason we don't collect it is because we don't want to know. Because right. if we know that number, we can hold politicians accountable. So we purposely do not look into it. Right. And also, that's is that even something you can access with the FOIA request? No. Like, are the avenues available to research eviction data no. aren't the same ones it, that you can no. research if, if government. If I send in a request saying I, they do not collect the data. Right. It's just it, not It's there. not like they collect it and it's hidden or it's out of public view. They do not collect it because if you collect it, then people can have access to it. And people have access to it, then they're able to hold power accountable. It's all part of a larger structural thing. <laughs> right, right, right. So, I mean, I, that sounds pretty good to me. I do love transparency. Here's another one you might like, Evan. All right, give me this one. Uh, so here is uh, where, she, where she states that she's uh, introducing the Housing Survivors of Major Disaster Act, which will require FEMA to work with HUD, HUD, to immediately set up the Disaster Housing Assistance Program, DHAP, for temporary rental assistance and wraparound services to disaster survivors. That's awesome. That's very forward-thinking. Shout out to whoever thought of that. That is awesome. It was Elizabeth Warren. Okay. You know what? <laughs> all right. All right. All right. That was unfair. If, if I'm going to say, uh, and I probably don't do that, and that probably is like a little bit of a slip, Warren gets credit to her legislation. Shout out to Warren for thinking of that. Though none of this is done in the bubble, they all have experts and people around them that weigh in on this, Bernie Sanders included. Bernie Sanders does not write down every piece of legislation. He just had people in the room. So I will try to be fair. That was a good call out. If I ever do that, saying Bernie Sanders just wrote this. Like, no, more than likely, you just have good people in the room. But that's smart. I like that. It's good to have good people in the room. It is. Um, and, you know, it, it'd be, I'd, I'd be interested to see what the, uh, what the listeners feel about the, our little, our little uh, heated sort of tension oh, here on the on the. It's not that heated. I'm keeping it incredibly tame. Wait, wait until next week. Uh oh, <laughs> I'm not even sure what we're doing next week, but I can't wait to find out now. Um, so we, we do have a funny comment. I'm voting for Lex Luthor. Okay. <laughs> Is he referring to you over there? I, I, um, I do have to do a better job reading the comments. I can read some comments. Let's see. Liz is afraid of vermin, can't think on her feet. Um, the well, D the DNC is corrupt. A vote for a Democrat is a vote thrown away. Ooh, can I address that? Uh, Rod, are you listening? Is Rod here? He might be. All right, maybe. So we're going to have him on as a guest, by the way, guys. No, that'd the, be cool. The, 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 the man himself, Rod Weber. Oh. Uh, Rod Epstein didn't kill himself, 20 tonny Weber. Oh, okay. Trying awesome. to get on the Love ballot that. in New Hampshire, shouting OK Boomer at Joe Biden like last week. Uh, with Vermin. Uh, I'm rocking a Vermin Supreme bumper sticker right now, so we'd love to have you on and hear what you have to say. You can even call in right now, 872-810-2125, but let's get to your uh, argument with him right now, Evan. This will be fun. Okay. Um, I don't know him. I don't want to uh, assume his politics off of two sentences. The DNC is corrupt. 100% true. Correct. A vote for a Democrat is a vote thrown away. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. There is a concept in voting called harm reduction. And that means that if there is two candidates, and just being an adult, you recognize that one of those two candidates are going to win. Sometimes you don't have to like either one of them. I very rarely like the people that I vote for. But at the end of the day, what they do will have material difference in people's lives. So saying a vote for a DNC is thrown away, let's just say um, Trump versus Hillary. I can go off on uh, all the criticism of Hillary Clinton. 
for the federal judiciary alone. I believe it's one out of every four federal judges have been appointed by Trump. He has appointed more judges under his first three years than Obama did in eight. For that power alone, having a Democrat in office will have judges in place that will not be trying to roll back abortion rights, which will not be going so hard on um, migrants trying to come into this country to escape the situations that we cause where they live that are trying to gut every labor protection. So for that reason alone, every now and then, once every year, you have to swallow your pride and you have to vote for who is going to do the least harm. We try to get candidates to do well. You live in Massachusetts, do whatever you want. How's that sound? Right. Because we're going to go blue 99 times over 100. If you live in a swing state and you want to take it as voting as some moral expression or physical, I don't know, art form, that, then you're really not taking this seriously. Then you vote for Vermin Supreme. Again, if you live in an area where like, someone is not going to live or die off of like, a judge's ruling, yeah, have fun with it. But sometimes you do got to uh, be a little bit of an adult and uh, vote for harm reduction. So actually, can I just do a quick, uh, quick plug for a fr- a na- my neighbor's event since you mentioned harm reduction? Yes. Um, that just reminded me when you said that phrase. Uh, we're big fans of harm reduction here on Renters Radio, and though uh, mostly we talk about Renters issues, my neighbor's actually hosting a Narcan training and material resource drive this Wednesday at the Harvard Divinity School. 6 p.m. November 20th. I just shared it on our page. If you want to learn how to save a life and administer Narcan and you want to support the uh, uh, material resource drive from the Material Aid and Advocacy Advocacy Program of Cambridge, um, definitely RSVP. I just shared the event. Show up. Uh, You're encouraged to bring donations, clothing, travel size, hygiene. We have a caller. Let's see who it is. I hope it's the person saying they want to vote for Tony Stark. You gotta press one. Press one. <laughs> press it on your keyboard. I want to see you physically just hit one. Hello? Hello? Try it again. We're trying to get the tech down. This is we're still in beta. We're we're launching February fifteenth, twenty twenty. Is that Valentine's Day? No, that's the 14th. Oh. Anyway, as I was saying, there's a Narcan training session um, at the Harvard Divinity School, 60 Oxford Street in Cambridge, 6 p.m. this week. Um, I know that I have personally had to save a life with Narcan when I least expected it. Uh, really? Yeah, it's not a pleasant, a pleasant situation, um, but it, I'm definitely glad that I had it on me. All right, hit one. Call from? Anyway. Rod. Yeah, Rod. Hey, what's up? Hey, Rod, how you doing? All right, how are you? Doing good. How are you liking the show? Is is this thing working? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Okay. Rod, you're our first caller. We you're have to get our... you like a prize or something. We uh, should have thought of something. Uh, I think I have a Vermin Supreme sticker. He can have. Excellent. I uh, I made little doodad uh, drawings on there. Oh, nice. I know. I'm, I'm rocking one on my laptop right now. How are you doing, Rob? What do you got to say? What's going on? Uh, yeah, just uh, regarding the whole uh, harm reduction thing and uh, the corrupt DNC and all those comments there. Uh, I, I don't buy it. I went to hundreds of uh, rallies across the United States to all the lower 48 during the 2016 election. 
And the fact of the matter is, is uh, by and large, there was tons of people that I spoke to that were going to vote for Bernie Sanders. Uh, but we're basically saying if you put in Clinton, um, then they'll vote for Trump. Uh, so in this situation, it seems to me that a vote for the Democrats is a vote thrown away uh, because they just went and uh, violated charter violations. Uh, even when uh, they went to the, the DNC and they're, they're shouting out all the votes, you know, West Virginia, they claim that, you know, pretty much got all the votes uh, for Hillary Clinton. Uh, when it was the reverse of that. They right. were just lying through their teeth the entire time. Did we lose you, Rod? So I agree with Rod in that respect, that the DNC has been corrupt. I mean... So, um, Rod, thank you for being with us with the tech. Absolutely, the DNC is correct. That's okay. Corrupt? Oh. Call from... Rod. Oh. To accept, press 1. Still to calling. send a voicemail, press 2. All right, uh, Rod, you back? I am back. All right, awesome. Again, shout out again, going through the tech difficulties. Market Basket doesn't have the best Wi-Fi. So uh, to address the two points, one, absolutely, the DNC is a, is complete uh, trash. There? Yes, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, just say it again. I, you dropped out. Oh, no, that's okay. So the DNC is trash. I hate the fact that we have to run candidates uh, using their primary platform. One of the big differences that uh, you have to point out to what you just said was you were talking about the primary. You were saying people who yep. were not voting for Bernie. So then, and, and this is... Uh, you're dropping out again. Oh, uh, he's saying I'm dropping in and out. But that's okay. For all the thousands to millions of people listening at home, primaries are different. Primaries are different. Primaries are different. In a primary, you vote for the candidate that you okay, want. Okay, but they still say they can put in whoever they want in a smoke-filled back room. It, it kind of seems to me that that's not democracy whatsoever. Um, for instance, when I was up at the the New Hampshire state capitol, and again, that's, you know, during the primary, uh, you know, the you know the Biden voters. Ah, oh, so close. We are Rod. still working on our phone call that's okay. capabilities. Um, but, this I mean, is going to be part of a logic conversation. Yeah, we're going to have Rod as a guest. Yeah, Rod, like, Rod pretty come soon. and we can talk about it. Yeah, like that has to happen because I want this conversation face-to-face in real time. I would love to see. Oh. Call from. I was going to say, at this point, like, we might not take calls. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to try third All times right. a charm. Third time's a charm. Okay, we'll see if this works. Um, All right, fingers so, crossed. At, at, Smoke-filled back rooms, you were discussing being in New Hampshire. Go. Yeah. So um, when you've got smoke-filled uh, back rooms, is their excuse for why they can do anything. And, for instance, uh, when I was up at the, uh, the Biden filing, the Elizabeth Warren filing the other day, which, by the way, aren't their filings. Those are uh, just groups of people that have uh, just as little or as much uh, rights as, say, me or Vermin Supreme or any of the other people that showed up that day, and they're physically pushing out people like me and Vermin, it says to me that we do not have democracy. For anyone who wants to learn about democracy, you need to go to these events and see how they physically uh, push people out of the way. And, I mean, if they're doing this at just a registration for a primary, imagine what they're doing at the voter booths. Uh, imagine what they're doing with interstate cross-check. Imagine what they're doing with gerrymandering. It's not democracy. It's a fucking clown show. So you just threw out 95% of things I agree with? Uh, you're cutting out. Oh, this is so cutting out. That's okay. You just threw out about right. 95% of things that I agree with. 
the difference of what we're uh -huh. saying is that while the process we absolutely do not live in a democracy by any definite definition of that term uh, i can't hear you that's okay I'm, I, I'm gonna keep talking as if you can because i'm sure the audience hello is hello. Hello, but hello 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 at the hello. end of the day when you go into the general election <laughs> this is what you guys need to get a, a landline <laughs> out there because uh yeah i can't hear anything we'll work on it rod but uh rod come to the studio we'll talk yeah come to the studio we can have you on like next monday or the monday after All i right. want uh, it'll be fun Blocking calls. <laughs> All right. Apparently, our phone lines don't work very well. Uh, we have to work on that. Uh, maybe we need to, like. Three is a Is it Rod? I don't know. I don't think we can have this conversation not in person, but I really want to have this conversation. No, we should, um, because we decided to talk about two different things. You decided to um, very eloquently outline a failed system or, right. or a system that is broken and corrupt. And I was more deliberately talking about at the end of the day, you, for a general election, you pull the ballot for harm reduction. The process is corrupt. At the end of the day, they're still going to tally the votes. That system does still work, and you need to generate more people than your opponents. And sometimes that means voting for somebody who is 95% horrible versus somebody who's 100%. But right. we'll, we'll talk about that in person. Harm reduction, live video interrupted, by the way. I don't know if they can hear us. There we go. So oh, boy. I think we're getting DDoSed. Killer, hello? Hey, someone's there. Hey, yeah, we're here. We got DDoSed, maybe. I don't know. Everything got interrupted for a minute. Uh, okay, so uh, you were saying? So, <laughs> so uh, you were saying. All right. Um, can you hear me on this mic? We good? Currently, currently I can hear you. Okay. Uh, it feels like what you're expressing is the frustration of the entire process, the frustration of the Democratic primary process, Vermin Supreme not getting a platform, the process of gerrymandering, which is happening across the country. And, and that seems to be uh, rightfully where your anger is at the overall system for people like, hey, no, it's, it's, it's not anger. I just it's a clown show. Okay. I, it's laughable. Well, uh, I mean, I would say it is something you should be angry about. It's something that that angers me. Oh no, no, no! I, I, I was, I was angry four years ago. Right, we've been angry. Point. We were angry a long time okay. ago. So it's I, a yeah. fucking show. It's a dog and pony I, I, show, if you will. So I am. So, I can um, I am still in the anger, uh, the anger phase. Maybe I'll get there. He's new. As the five stages, but at the end of the day, for the argument that I was expressing is that during a general election, where at the end of the day, one of the two candidates are going to get into office, even if the process that gets to that point is absolutely uh, broken, at the end of the day, you use a harm reduction strategy. That's the core of my argument. At the end of the day, you go for the harm reduction, you go Hillary over Trump. Just for the judges alone, that position is worth it. Okay, Does so, but you're hearing... Oh, absolutely, but I guess you're missing my argument which is it was very clear going across to hundreds of rallies across the United States. If they put in Clinton, it was a losing strategy. You could not beat Trump. I spoke to so many people who said it, it, basically what it was is you put, you have to put in the underdog candidate or, or the American people were going to say fuck off and they were going to use interstate cross check to say, take 7 million voters away from Hillary Clinton. What you're talking about is a losing strategy. It was foreseeable. I was predicting it months in advance. It was clear Trump was going to win. So yeah, harm reduction is a tactic 
and I get the tactic that you're saying, but knowing the details of what's going on is more important. And you were brainwashed by the mainstream media who was telling you that Clinton had Clinton had no fucking chance. I never, no one here said Hillary Clinton had a chance. I don't think. Did you oh, no. Um, Hillary Clinton absolutely had a chance to win. You think? Oh, yeah. I'm not just trolling you right now. I mean, there was, I don't know, seven to ten but fours, like but for the Comey letter, but for, for her never mentioning jobs once, but for her never setting foot in the state of Wisconsin, if, but for her not doing actual voter outreach, canvassing, right. door knocking, the things you do, they use an algorithm to get out the vote. So what happened in states like Pennsylvania. So she phones it in. Uh, well, well, they thought that they thought what the mainstream media was telling them, which was there's no way you're going to lose this. And right. I, I'm sorry. At the end of the day, it like there is, again, two people running. One of them's going to win. That other person has odds. And if they ran a better campaign and if they actually addressed the material conditions that people spoke to, if they didn't just focus on suburban voters and actually went out to rural areas, as I was saying before, in Pennsylvania, when they were doing their get out the vote, the day of the vote, to make knock on doors, make sure somebody actually gets to the polls, one out of every four people they were knocking on doors for were Trump supporters because they used an algorithm. You actually have to put in the work and knock the doors and have a candidate that people are actually going to spend their time volunteering for. Having so there was literally 50. There was literally 1,500 candidates running. Uh, so if you're to say that there was two, it's fucking retarded. Sorry to be able to say that. One, try not to use that so term on the show crazy. if I could. But B, no, at the end of the day, but, there's only two candidates. It was Hillary versus. But again, I'm saying after the primary, bud. I'm saying after the primary, uh, November 5th, and, 4th, end of the day, it's two people. Right. And what I'm saying is that you're being, uh, you're being manipulated. It's what's called manufacturing consent. They uh, manipulate. All right, Chomsky, and, tell me about and, manufacturing consent. And they and they disallow you off of uh, any of the any of the minor parties can't even, uh, you know, get on the ballot. If you can't get on the ballot, how do you expect for uh, people to know who you are or vote for you? So I, I think that's actually an extremely valid point that Rod's bringing up right now about the you know two party system and uh, the restrictions on like actual viability as a candidate and getting on the ballot and having access to public campaign funds and all of that. Absolutely. You know, you're talking about end game shit went to hell strategy when it comes to, Oh no, we have to vote for Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump harm reduction strategy. We're talking about before that. Correct. Like, you know what I that mean? That is like, the difference between that two arguments. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if I'm, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm just about, playing mediator here. Cause I want Rod to come on the show. No, no, and no, no, Rod, you come, live. On the show, come on the show. Uh, um, no, I'm talking about on election day. What do you do? Um, absolutely. The, uh, we exist in a two party system. China has a one party state sanctioned system. We have a two party state sanctioned system. The rules were written during the Gilded Age after the Civil War, which make it almost impossible to run a third party. That's why part of the DSA strategy is to take over one of them using that avenue for elections. That's why we run in the Democratic primary. I'm a registered Democrat. I don't consider myself a Democrat. I don't use that label, but we use that avenue because that's how the rules of the game were set up. And I agree with you. It's completely unfair. Come on the show, it's Ron. Not a We'll talk about this it, more. It, okay, I'm just saying it's, it's not a matter of fairness. It's a matter of understanding what's uh, really at the heart of the matter. I mean, there's a corporatocracy uh, with a continuous government 
uh, that basically works as an ecosystem between the lobbyists, the politicians, and the corrupt uh, mega corporations uh, who are really doing all the business here. Uh, the president is a temporary position. Uh, governor, senator, these are all temporary positions. The people that are really running the show uh, really has very little to do with what you're even talking about. The people are those who work for the Carlisle Group. Am I not wrong, Rod? Say again? Like the Carlisle Group and Bain Capital. Uh, yeah. And Booz Allen Hamilton and all the stuff I brought up in my weird deep dive earlier, right? No, that was good. I I, I missed that part, but uh, yeah, Cambridge Analytica. Um, exactly. Uh, I mean, you, you you can go back to uh, you know the Bushes and Brown Brothers, Harriman uh, and um, Prescott Bush uh, taking money from the Nazis and then basically getting defunded, uh, you know, by the government because you know the Trading with the Enemies Act. Uh, I mean, we can we can go all the way back to the Rhodes round table if we want to talk about, you know, real fucking deep conspiracy shit. Uh, but I, I mean, honestly, you know, the president of America, I mean, he's he's doing what everyone tells him to do. I'm who's in the continuous government. That's uh, he, he or she is there to be a puppet. So I don't think that we should really focus that much. It's It's about the local politics, which I think you guys are on. So I just stay on the local shit. You know, that's what, you know, you have a little bit of control over. Uh, Decentralization is the way to go. But um, I think we're a long way from that. And uh, things are just going to keep getting worse uh, with uh, mega corporations uh, controlling donors and and robots taking over jobs. But, hey, what do I know? (laughs) Rod, we uh, will stay in touch, man. We're going to have you on because, you know, I always love talking to you. We've been through some stuff and. uh, we do need to focus on the local local politics. That is kind we of do. the Everything thing on I our said, show. I, I just told you right now, you can get us some podcasts to spend a few hours on national. Yeah, but Rod, yeah. you were a great first caller. That was fun. Yeah, but. I'm really happy that Rod was our first caller, man. Um, so. Oh, well, glad I could help. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, sorry for the potty mouth. No, that's <laughs> okay. okay. We're going to we'll, we'll clean that up. We'll get you on the show. Yeah. We'll be good to go. Gonna, but all right, have a good night, Rod. It's going to be great. Thanks, Rod. Yeah. All right, take care. All right, that was fun. That was fun. See, I told you Rod was the man. He's been going up there trying to See, register and on, in the ballot. <laughs> Dude, you guys are going to get along. It's going to be great. I was nice. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. So, yeah, no, it's just scope. It's just scope and scale of this stuff. You know, uh, sometimes maybe presidential politics might be outside the scope of the show as Renters Radio focusing on Boston. I just didn't really have a guest lined up. And Oh, but what's going to happen is – I mean, just like everyone else, we're swamped with, like, national media attention. Yeah. The reason we're going to be successful is the local stuff. Yeah. But uh, harm reduction, make sure you uh, you pull the ballot at the end of the day. But we'll talk about that more. Right, right. And, you know, focus on harm reduction in your community. Focus on supporting uh, homeless and low-income housing, uh, the needs of low-income renters, as well as activists working to help homeless people. And, uh, you know stay into that we're gonna have some like advocates and people on the show in the future on monday nights it's actually getting somewhat late i don't know if we're ready to end yet i don't let's uh, do plugs because let's the, do some plugs i plugged i plugged the narcan event at harvard because the gas uh the gas tax stuff yeah what's the gas tax or no let's save it for next week okay next week because the legislature next week we might actually have a guest though so that'd be we'll good see. because uh, the mass uh, house they punted it till January, so I got some time to exp- talk uh, people through this so people know what the right side of the issue is on. 
but oh my god, I have so much stuff for today. This is insane. All right, I have two plugs actually. All right, plug it up. First up, if you want to get a beer with me while simultaneously supporting Bernie Sanders, slash Elizabeth Warren will be there too. And what I'm talking about is a debate watch party in Cambridge. It says here at the Cambridge Common, but I believe we're going to the um, Aeronaut, the brewery. Is it no. Aeronaut in Cambridge? No, no, I'm going with this. I'm, this is what's on the DSA oh, site. What is we're Cambridge not, Common? One six one six sixty seven Mass Ave in Cambridge. We will be there doing a debate watch party. We will try to get you to sign up for actual actions because while it's fun to get drunk and yell at politicians, you actually have to put in the work. But if you want to come get a, uh, a beer with me, I will be there. Maybe I'll try to get Lauren to come. I, I'm tempted now. All right. I do like beers with Evan. So that is the watch party. And then I just have to give a disclaimer. We tend just to talk when the boring candidates is talking. <laughs> I, like, I have no interest in like talk, listening to Pete Buttigieg. I could do <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I miss I, Marianne Williamson so much. Yeah, I miss her too. Yeah. If, if we got her on the stage, that would be fun. Yeah. But, but I mean, like, like, I can write what Kamala Harris is going to say. I don't need to hear it. But I, when she says it, she sounds drunker than us. <laughs> have you noticed i'm not gonna i'm not gonna swing at that pitch i'm not gonna weigh out on that one um so that is the dsa event but a more local event that i want to plug that i will also be at so if you want to get food with me that's thursday night in um, another community group that i'm a part of dorchester not for sale and they have monthly community dinners this is at 6 p.m at the vietnamese american community center down in dorchester so they do a incredible job with tenant organizing with building relationships with people who are facing eviction so if you want to see what actual grassroots on the ground community organizing looks like dorchester and office sale is where to be thursday 6 p.m the vietnamese american community center you can find me there sweet he's everywhere um so i don't have any i have no idea what i'm doing this week i don't have any events to plug don't have any events well, I mean, I have events to promote that I can't go to. That's about it. Um, I do want to give a shout out to my friend Sophia Bell for putting out a single that I think we're going to leave off on. I hope they don't mind um, with that band Home Despo, which is like a really great anti-gentrification activist, po- funk, I mean, punk, folk kind of hip awesome video that just got released today and uh we're gonna leave off on that and i'm gonna i'm gonna hit sophia up and we're gonna have a musical guest her as a musical guest and we're gonna have ben simon we're gonna have a special wemf episode in the future to talk about where i come from and you know what doing a show on renters rights means to me um so sophia if you're out there hit us up um i love the new track even though i've only heard it once but you're about to get it on blast so good night everyone all right good night oh so we don't have to do this the sign off thing <laughs> Renters God. Radio. Uh, so next week we will be changing the show every week we think that's the best marketing strategy yeah we're just gonna change the name every week you're gonna have to nope, look for us. this is it renters radio signing off yep we changed everything patreon like subscribe all the things yes like, like and subscribe oh, uh get alerts oh my god i just almost slipped as a bad organizer you have to leave with an action item 
if you can hear the sound of my voice, you have to like, give us five stars, three thumbs, whatever platforms we're on and you find us. Give us the most amount of things. Write us a review. Like, subscribe. Right. And you know what? Hit us up on uh, our new email is RentersRadio at gmail.com. Send us your stories. Send us your scoops. I oh, yeah. We scoops. didn't get to get any stories today. Yeah. Well, we'll be following up on stuff. I have a few things in the works. Um we're also on Twitter, Renters Ra- at Renters Radio, Facebook at Renters Radio. We have a group, Renters Rising Radio, name change still pending. Um, we have Instagram at Renters Radio. It's all pretty redundant. Uh, like, subscribe, heart, star, donate to our Patreon, Renters Radio. Uh, we're still figuring out that monetiz- monetization stuff. I'm and, totally uh, going to find a way to get you all to give us money. Capitalist <laughs> in the streets. Thank you, sir. Right. Um, shout out to Herb. Yeah, thanks, Herb. Doing man. his best through all the technical difficulties today. Um, man of action, and uh, let's uh, let's do this again next week. Hit us up. Sounds good. Sorry. Look at the video. Cameras are right. All the mics are off. Okay, I was gonna say, can they still hear me if I talk?